It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go-to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high-profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. We are, we are in studio, and uh, yes, one 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 Broadway. We are in the studio, and that's because shortly um, we may have an in studio guest. Uh, I don't know how thrilled everyone uh, is going to be with this guest, but I am uh, because you know, as as Matt Borzi likes to say in my uh, introduction, I am the quintessential New Yorker, and. Um, I kind of feel like I am the quintessential New Yorker. I don't know. That that's actually a little sounds a little arrogant. Um, I'm a guy who really loves New York. How about that? Does that sound a little better? Um, I got Alex here. No, that sa- sounds way better. By the way, like, now, uh, now from, coming from you, that sounds way better. By than the way, Nick, where is where is Sam Bolin? He's grooming the cat or something like that. He's, oh. Is that what it is? It's on Thursdays. He's got to walk the dog. Or... Yeah, something like that. All right. Well, at least we have Alex behind the controls. He's here to help us out. Um, of course, it wouldn't be a um, it wouldn't be a, a day in the studio if Joni wasn't here. Um, so Joan, the executive producer of the Adala Power Hours, with us, and we have a special guest here on the microphone, Luca Joseph Idala. Hello, Luca. How are you? Hi, I'm good. And what are we going to do tonight after the show? Um, we're going to see Dire Straits. We're going to go see the band Dire Straits. Whereabouts? So we're going to go see the band. Um, Times Square. In the Palladium, right? Yes. And that is a, um, it's not the full band, Dyer's Trace. Mark Knopfler and his brother are not going to be playing, but the rem- remaining remaining members are going to be there, and um, I'm sure Luca will, inc- will, will force his dad to take him to a great meal thereafter. Uh, Luca, you want to go for a meal in, like, Times Square like we did last time, like Virgil's, or you want to go down to, like, Mulberry Street with Johnny Beach and eat in, like, Il Quartil or um, um, Casa Bella? Uh, Times Square. Times Square? All right. We'll figure that out. So, um, the guest who is supposed to be coming in, uh, since we're, we're loving New York today, and, and I think Joni said we're going to be doing a remote from Times Square, uh, in the, in the very near future. Um, we, look, we already had the mayor of the city of New York on the show, and I was in contact with his communications director this week, uh, who said that the mayor is planning to come back in September, to join us, and I'm going to see if I can lasso him into making it a regular gig. Um, so I'm having the, hopefully, the previous mayor on the show. He's going to come in live in the studio. I know um, Bill de Blasio since, let me not mess this up, 1992. Um, so I'll give you a little background. First of all, let me tell you about my day. I got up real early today, and I ran um, into Manhattan. Uh, and I did. I gave myself a little treat. I have like one of these old cars that that are, don't cost a lot of money, but they look like they cost a lot of money. It's an old little convertible. It's an Alfa Romeo. And since I was leaving early in the morning and it wasn't going to be too hot out, I put the top down around seven a.m. and I drove into Manhattan without congestion pricing. Um, and uh, I was able to still find a spot on the street. And I walked into the Fox Five studio and I uh, appeared alongside. Rosanna and Bianca on um, Good Day New York, uh, which is a great show. If you're a New Yorker, see that show is like this show, like you know, two, four, and seven. Those are national shows. So if you want to know what's going on in the nation, you should watch two, four, and seven. If you want to know what's going on in New York, you should watch five and, and eleven. I think actually WPAX has a nice morning show now as well. Nice is a weird word. My mother yells at me for using nice. Uh, it has a substantial. Uh, morning show if you want to know about what all things New York and it was kind of a homecoming because I regularly appeared on Fox 5 and uh, then because of COVID everyone went in their own separate corners I did do some Fox 5 appearances um, by Zoom and one of them um, I tell Mary and my wife 
I said, listen, I'm going upstairs. I have a 805 appearance with Rosanna on Fox 5. I said, just, you know, hold on to Arthur downstairs. And uh, the appearance my, got pushed, kept getting pushed back. It's like, all right, Arthur, it's going to be 810. It's going to be 815. It's going to be 820. And Luca, guess what? I'm upstairs on the Zoom in the, like, the little TV room upstairs. And guess who walks into the room while I'm on in the middle of the interview? Arthur. Your brother. He walks right in on TV, and he just comes without missing a beat. He sits on my lap. And what was really funny is I have the iPad, I think, that I'm using on the desk. But then right next to it is the big TV. So you have this on TV. You have this four-year-old boy looking at me, talking into the iPad, and then seeing this millisecond delay on the television screen. And he's trying to figure it out, but he was a good boy. He didn't say a word, and I continued with the interview. But um, I so the last time I was in the studio, I believe, was right after Harvey Weinstein's uh, conviction or shortly thereafter. And this was the first time I was back. And I must say it was a very it was a sort of home homecoming because uh, they were so nice. I mean, uh, the guy, oh, Johnny, the guy, uh, the stage manager. He told me to say hello to Frank from Staten Island, that he listens to Frank from Staten Island uh, every night on his way on his way in at two, three, four in the morning. Um, and uh, Mike Woods, the weather guy, it was really it was it was a, a very I received a very warm welcome and I, I gave a very warm welcome. Uh, they still COVID it out over there. Everyone was masked up. But uh, I then had a nice appearance. Nice. No, no, violation, Idala. Violation. I had a uh, substantial appearance with um, Rosanna and Bianca because if you see today's New York Post or Daily News uh, or basically every paper in the country, uh, I like the Post headline the most. Win for Harvey. Top New York court will hear his appeal. So we spoke yesterday about how the Court of Appeals is allowing uh, my law firm to represent Harvey Weinstein in the highest court in the nation. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I keep saying that. The highest court in the state, which is a very rare occurrence. They, they, they do that in 2 or 3% of the, the criminal cases in the state of New York. So I made that, I, I was, made that appearance, and then I ran to the office, and um, it was really it was a fun appearance. I enjoyed myself immensely. Uh, and it's amazing how many people watch that show. I got so many texts and emails about, you know, you look great. Oh, congratulations. It's a big win. And, you know, again, I just want to make clear, this is not a, uh, you don't go into an appeals court and there's no witnesses and you're not judging whether someone's telling the truth or not telling the truth or someone's guilty or not guilty. It's whether it's really the judge, the trial judges on trial by the higher judges, the appellate judges to see whether they conducted a fair trial. Um, so that will be taking up a, a lot of bandwidth in my law firm, uh, for the next probably four or five months. But, um, it was, it was a tremendously pleasant surprise. Uh, so we got well, I have a quick question for sure. you. Sure. Oh, here's Alex chiming the, in. Go the COVID it. negotiations that you had to do to get him some support. Cause remember there was a lot of headlines during COVID. He was worried about getting sick with it. And he did get sick with it. He did, but give give us a little insight and your reaction when you saw the outside reaction to him wanting those COVID uh, rec- accommodations, if you will. Well, that Harvey wanted the COVID accommodations. Yes. Well, I mean, basically, in a nutshell, what happened was, um, oh, good, our guest is here. Um, basically, in a nutshell, what happened is, um, Mr. Weinstein got the COVID virus in the very, very, very beginning of the whole pandemic. Um, I thought he gave it to me, but that didn't happen. Um, and, um, well, I don't know. Alex, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole right now, if that's okay. Only because uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio is going to be coming in shortly. I'm going to give you, we probably have, how much time I got left here, Alex? Like two minutes. Or All so. right, I got two minutes. So here's the deal. In 1992, I graduated law school. I did not have a job yet. So I volunteered to work for City Councilman Sal Albanese. Um... I used the, volunteer, the word volunteer. Uh, I got think I got paid $150 a week for working like 12 hours a day, seven days a week. So I just considered that lunch money. Um, and during that campaign for Congress, uh, Sal was running against a woman named Susan Molinari, who was the incumbent. I met this really tall guy who came in who volunteered. I believe he was on the community board or something like that. And he volunteered to work on the Albanese campaign. And, you know, you don't when you meet Bill de Blasio, he's hard to forget. He's uh, he's really tall. Um, And we, you know, look, he's Italian. He identifies Italian. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And he and I maintained a relationship. 
um, through the years, through his run for city council, through his run for um, uh, public advocate, and through his run for, for mayor. Um, so he's going to come in. We're going to ask him some tough questions. We're going to talk about his new job in Harvard. And uh, listen, I, stay tuned because I'm going to ask him questions that you want me to ask about where certain city monies went, about people smoking marijuana in City Hall, about crime, um, uh, about what his legacy is going to be, what his, what his hits were, what his flops were, uh, what it was like working during the uh, COVID crisis. So uh, whether you like him or not, uh, listen and, and, and think and, and come up with some answers. There's some dire straits for you. We'll be right back. So well, let's talk about our friends at Connors and Sullivan. And we talk about every day here. We talk about them in the Joe Piscopo show. We talk about them throughout the day. We're going to talk about them right now at 615 here in the studio at 111 Broadway. We all know that planning for the future is important. And you and your family need to go to Connors and Sullivan to make sure you are protected. If you're not around to make decisions, who will? Are your assets protected from probate and nursing home costs? The time to plan is now. Wills, trusts, power of attorneys, healthcare proxies, living wills, your overall estate plan. The goal of Connors and Sullivan is always the protection of your rights and interests. They've been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 40 years. That's right, folks. 40 years since I was 14 years old. Visit them for a no-obligation, free consultation. Call Connors and Sullivan today to schedule a free, in-person, initial consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations in Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. That's 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, or visit their website, connorsandsullivan.com. And don't forget what Mike Connors always tells us, the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Friends, imagine you're relaxing on the sky deck of a beautiful yacht as it cruises through the New York Harbor. The iconic skyline creates a picturesque backdrop as you sit back with your feet up, taking in the sun and the scenic views, finding refuge from traffic that plagues the tri-state area on board a tranquil cruise. Does this sound like an impossible dream? All of this can be your reality on board the Atlantis with New York Cruises. Fully insured and Coast Guard certified, this three-deck yacht is family-owned and operated with over 40 years of boat building and marine experience. Captain Fred and the Atlantis will make any event a great time. Comfort, luxury, attention to detail, it's what the Atlantis and New York Cruises are all about. Experience the sophistication of cruising around Manhattan in style on your wedding day, birthday, anniversary, corporate event, or for no occasion at all. Just call 212-633-1231 or visit NewYorkCruises.com. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored in part by the good people at Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey. America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Drive one today at Freehold Mitsubishi for the best selection and outstanding customer service. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. Elvis Costello, I believe today's his birthday, right? That's right, right it is. Happy yep. birthday to Elvis Costello and listening to Veronica. I am so pleased, really, really pleased uh, to have in the studio with me face to face. He's a little taller than I am. Uh, he's got a lot more hair than I do. The what number are you? 109? 109th. 109th pre- uh, president. Almost. Oh, dude. Oh, you thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, didn't work out. No, it didn't well, work we'll, out. We'll, we'll get to that. Uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio, Mr. de Blasio, Mayor de Blasio, welcome to the show. Thank you for finding the time. Please call me Bill, Arthur. We've uh, known each other a long time, I, brother. I, right before you came in, at 92, when Albanese ran against right. Susan Molinari, you in walked Staten in and Island. said, what yep. can I do? That's right. Um, so let's start at the future. What are we doing next? I have a wonderful opportunity. I'm very proud to be able to work with the up-and-coming public servants. 
young people who are part of the Harvard Kennedy School of Government and uh, also the people who are going to the Chan School of Public Health. And these are, these are the folks we are all going to depend on to help guide us into you know, a really challenging future. But they're making the decision that they want to be in public service. So it'll be my honor to help them, support them, tell them some real-life lessons. You know, some, some learned a tough way, Arthur. Well, it's funny because that's actually – I didn't know what your answer was going to be. But that's the first question I have, and it actually comes from my dad. Because a wise man. 25 years ago, right now, I was running for New York City Council, and I had that fire in my belly. And because of how nasty things have gotten in the world of politics, it's much different these 25 yes. years that have passed. Um, the question that he asked to ask you is, what consideration should people contemplate upon entering public office in terms of everything, the effect that it has on you yourself and your your significant other and your children and your parents and and b- besides the actual job itself well i i'll tell you something i would do a lot of things differently but i wouldn't make a different decision about what to do uh, i'm very honored very proud that i got to serve the people of this city uh amazing amazing experience my family had an extraordinary experience as well it's very tough sometimes and we were prepared but we weren't prepared uh, because exactly what you said. I think it got, things got nastier over time. Things got more personal. But uh, I think in the end, the chance to make an impact, the chance to hopefully make people's lives better in some real way, it's it, the, the people you meet, the people you get to work with, uh, the, it, it's extraordinary. This city, I always tell people, don't look at the skyscrapers or the, you know, the Statue of Liberty, God bless it, but it's the people of the city that make it great. So when you're mayor, you get you know, immersed. You get to experience everything great about this place. I wouldn't trade that in for anything in the world. But I would, what I'd do if I was doing so it over let, again— Let's say you're talking to your, your, the new students from Harvard. Yeah. And they're like, I, like I'm thinking about running for, me for a significant public office where right. I'm going to lose my anonymity. I think that part of it is to um, prepare yourself. I think I thought I got it, and I didn't how invasive it was. So the more you understand it, you know, the more you'll be braced for the impact. You know? I mean, do you realize, of course you realize it, they scrutinize you to the point of how you eat your pizza. That's a damn true statement. <laughs> and like. you, and again, Mr. Mr. de Blasio, I'm, please don't take this the wrong way. I'm always defending you. Right down to the pizza. And I say, you know what? You know who eats pizza with a knife and a fork? People in Italy. Yeah. They don't pick up the pizza with their hands. They eat the pizza like it's a like it's a pie, and they use a knife and a fork. But you got scrutinized because you used a knife and a fork to eat pizza. It's a funny world. But um, what I'd say is, you know, for example, my family, we were all involved together. It was it was like the Brady Bunch, right? It was well, very much a family Some would thing. say, all oh, kidding aside, Dante got you elected. Uh, Dante would say that, too. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> so I, I think we had a particular experience. There are obviously people in public life who really, really, really separate their families or their families don't want anything to do with it. And I think it's knowing which one you are. Um understanding just how tough it's going to be. But you know what? I don't mean to be melodramatic, but this is nothing. right ahead. (laughs) I mean, this is nothing compared to people who uh, served in the military and risked their lives in war. You know, this is nothing compared to someone who devotes themselves, say, to the priesthood and gives up so much uh, that would have been part of their life. It, It is, it's not easy. It's not fun a lot of the time. But if you understand, you know, each of these things, when you serve others, those examples I gave, you know, they, the folks who go, when you go to war, you understand what you're getting into. Uh, if, you, if you become mayor, if you're serving public life, um, nowadays expect it to be kind of nasty. That doesn't mean don't do it. I mean, if everyone said, I don't want to do it because it's nasty, well, first of all, no one would do it. Second of all, they don't, or maybe the only people would do it, people had no you know, sympathy or no emotion whatsoever. And, and I think in a way you got to say, okay, first of all, vast majority of people are good. I, I, did town, I did 70 town hall meetings. I've knocked on doors all over the city. I've been in street corners talking to people. The vast majority of people are good. The vast majority of people are, dis, are decent. 
the By hate. the way, you're limiting that to your mayorly. What about as public advocate? What about a city councilman? So same it, thing, right? I mean, I mean I, you, you've you've right. been around the city for a long, long a long time. time, and I feel very, very good about the way most people go about this. They 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 talk to you decently. They have they have a complaint. They also a lot of times will say what they want to do about it. I do not. That you, there's some haters out there. I don't know why people like to hate so much. I don't know why some people, I mean, find it so entertaining. I don't think it's a very good way to live. But they are not the majority. They may be the majority on Twitter. They're not the majority in the real world. Okay. So let's dig a little deeper personally. Because you, you know, you're talking about what characteristics it takes to – you just said there were times that it were not fun. Yeah. Now that you're a year out of it or whatever, not even, but – recollection thinking back is there a couple of things like i guess if you'd ask rudolph giuliani he would say september 11th was the worst day of his life his career etc cetera, etc cetera. is there anything is it the, a particular day in covid is it a particular shooting was it a with the two days when lou and and ramos got killed with their lou and ramos was killed was horrible painful those are the two police officers in December. for everyone in the city i felt it very personally i went to the hospital and saw you know the the bodies of fallen soldiers. Uh, you know it's it's horrible. It's you know the, the there were those days in March of 2020 when we thought the COVID situation was going to get much worse. It was terrifying, and we were not going to have enough uh, ventilators. We weren't going to have enough hospital beds. But we had to try and find some way to save lives. It, this stuff is, you know, I, I and a lot of times towards the end of my time as mayor, people are like, oh, sometimes he wasn't having fun. I'm like, I, wait a minute, you're supposed to have fun during that? You know, I mean, it, the job is a very serious job. I agree when people say it helps when you can have fun. It helps in the lighter moments or the more positive moments. People like that. They need that. I agree with that. I never got the part about, you know, you're supposed to have a happy face on all the time, even when you're dealing with tragedy or, or pain that people are going through. And so, it, it look, this job is a very, very tough job. Everyone knows that. But um, it's incredibly meaningful. It's incredibly rewarding. Again, I wouldn't trade it in. You so know, I don't care how tough it was. How does it make it you in. feel after you, you serve the city as a councilman, a public advocate, and a mayor, and then you... Did danced around the presidency that you were rejected. You danced around the governorship you were rejected, and you danced around Congress and you were rejected. Does that do you go into a depression? You go into a funk? No, you get the message. You get the memo. I mean, you know. And what's I, the message? What memo? The message did you get? is see ya. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like I, you know, and and I was talking to a reporter the other day, and you know. It was almost like, well, are you are you upset of people in your neighborhood? And I'm like, how can I be upset of the same people who got me here? You know, they got tired of me or they, they wanted a different option or they said enough was enough. But they're the same people, my neighbors, who gave me opportunity from back from 1999 when I ran for school board, when we used to have those kind of elections and city council, advocate, mayor, every single time they were there for me. So this time they said, hey, enough is enough. So people have asked me or, or told me, they've told me, your boy de Blasio. I'm honored to be associated, Arthur. Only ran for Congress to raise money to bail himself out, and he had no intention of Those actually people running. people are what we call idiots. Okay. You know, look at the godforsaken Twitter feed out there uh, during petitioning, night and morning, you know, all over the place, shaking hands, talking to people, listening to people. You don't do that, like, for show. That, this, we, we threw, I threw, my team threw our heart and soul into it. And in the beginning, it looked like a very promising situation. And then, you know, we saw way too much polling that said, you know, people were just not into it. And uh, I don't know where people come up with this stuff. I think it's irresponsible. I think it's sad. I think it's small. And the other thing is just ask, for God's sakes. You know, if anyone wants to know what, what are you doing, why are you doing this, I'm happy to answer. So when people used to tell me it was a fact that you're – Police detail had told people that you and your bride used to sit in the back of Gracie Mansion smoking large marijuana cigarettes. Uh, and I said, I do not believe that's yes. true. Is that also an accurate it's statement on my behalf? Entirely false that that ever happened. There was nothing. I, I, you know, I've been very honest. I went to NYU as an undergraduate and I tried marijuana like twice. And then I just didn't again, ever. 
And, you know, so the thing is, what I love is, you know, someone comes up with a rumor and then a bunch of people repeat it and they think they know what they're talking about. I would say to people doing that, you know, do yourself a favor, show some dignity. You know, don't don't listen to just anything you hear and then don't bother to find out if it's true. I think, again, I think most people are good. I think most people, you know, care. I think the voters, I always have said to people, do never underestimate the voters. Give them their respect. They have made choices for 250 years in this country, and in a lot of ways we've come through pretty well. But this sort of social media driven, like any rumor goes and believe something, whether it's true or not, come on, people, wake up. That's, this is <laughs> That's, just bull. It's like, I like a, a little just, fire in the belly from no, the Blasio. Just, I like just ask. And if someone says, no, you know what, guess what, I don't smoke marijuana why, why not be able to say, okay, we asked him he doesn't smoke marijuana. It's a big deal. Before we go, we're going to take a quick break, and then I, we have to talk about crime because another fallacy is people don't realize I think the lowest crime rate ever in the history of the city of New York was under your watch. Um, the lowest in the, ever since the statistics were kept, uh, beginning with Comstat. No, we had, we had driven crime down to the level of the 1950s. Give a lot of credit to the NYPD, uh, to our leaders, the NYPD, to everyday New Yorkers who participate. But come on, people. Facts are facts. Six straight years before COVID, we drove down crime. I, I'm with you. So we're playing as we out. We're playing Bruce Springsteen. Alex, tell us why we play in Born to Run. Born to Run was released today, I believe, in 1975. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be back with Mayor Bill de Blasio. I got a whole bunch of questions you guys sent in, so don't go anywhere. So I've been lucky enough during Mayor de Blasio's tenure to uh, visit uh, Gracie Mansion, and um, it's it's a big White House. And I will tell you, if uh, if I have the opportunity to talk to Eric Adams about painting Gracie Mansion, you know what I would tell him, folks? They should paint it with Rhino Shield. You know why? Because Rhino Shield is not a paint. It is a ceramic coating that is ten times thicker than paint. And if Susan paints Gracie Mansion... She will guarantee that Gracie Mansion looks as if it was freshly painted with an amazing 25-year transferable warranty against peeling, chipping, cracking, mold, or mildew. When was the last time you heard that Gracie Mansion only needed to be painted once every 25 years? Rhino Shield will increase the resale value of Gracie Mansion. And you know why? Because it is going to lower the energy cost for the citizens of the city of New York because it's going to hold the hot air in in the wintertime and the cool air in in the summertime. And right now, Susan is offering no payments, no interest financing for one year. That along with the strongest discount yet, 20% off for anyone who requests a free quote by August the 31st. So call today and lock in your 20% discount. Call 877-744-6608. That's 877-744-6608. Or go to rhinoshieldofnewyork.com. Kevin McCullough, so glad to have you with us on Legal Night, AM 970, The Answer, every Thursday at 7. And tonight, it's all the all-stars at ABK Law, Arthur Idala, Imran Ansari, and Judge Barry Kamins. All tonight, starting at 7. Have you ever had a legal question about elder law or state law? Every Wednesday night during Kevin McCullough's show, you'll hear from Mike Connors himself of Connors & Sullivan, Attorneys at Law, answering real listener questions. Simply email that question to askmikeconnors at gmail.com. Or call Mike's office at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. And don't forget to tune in to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. on AM 970 The Answer and Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. on AM 570 The Mission. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Mitsubishi dreamers, designers, and engineers are redefining choices in mobility for a whole new generation of independent, modern, and savvy consumers who want value, like the new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander featuring its industry-leading Mitsubishi 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, freeholdmitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. 
We got Brooklyn in the house with Mayor Bill de Blasio, who is a true blue Brooklynite. Got in big trouble because he wanted to go back to Brooklyn to work out and walk around uh, Greenwood Cemetery. And, you know, listen. Couldn't get enough of Brooklyn. That's it. You can't get enough of Brooklyn. Now, (laughs) now, Bill, you're you're reading the newspaper. And when you were sweet enough to invite me to Gracie Mansion towards the end of your tenure, I asked you, I said, you know, what do you read in the newspapers? And you said, I don't read the tabloids. And, you know, my staff sometimes puts uh, essential articles in front of me, you know, that I need to read. Um, is that the same advice you would give to the current mayor? Like, just don't, don't worry about what they're telling, what they're saying about yeah. you in the Post and the Daily News. What that, everyone who's a, a sports fan like I am knows that a lot of athletes are smart enough not to read the sports pages and just focus on your game. You know, I think when you're when you're mayor, especially. Uh, there's so much noise out there. So, you know, everyone's got a different opinions. Nine million people, every one of them highly opinionated, you know, and the media has opinions. And God bless. You know, do the job as best you can. Don't get lost in the, the criticisms or the critiques. And when something's important, you know, one of the things that I, I said in 2021 a lot, and I meant it, I had my ups and downs with the media, but I really needed to do a better job of saying when the media brought something to my attention that I did not know. And by the way, if someone out there is like, oh, you didn't know something. Well, guess what? There's nine million people. And nine million problems. And nine million problems. You're not going to know everything. So when I was on another station with my weekly show, for example, people would call in and they'd raise concerns. And some of them were new. Like to me, I had not heard that before. That's good. I'm glad you told it. Well, the same with the media. I would say to the media, we would have our regular briefings during COVID. And if someone said, hey, there's a problem at the corner of uh, you know, 6th Avenue or 14th Street, and, and no one had brought it to my attention before. I would say, thank you. Now we can go fix that problem. And, and we would try to do that. So I think there's a difference between when the media is alerting you to a problem or a policy is not working and they're pointing out it's not working. Or sometimes, let's face it, even the people that work for you maybe don't give you the whole hard truth. Sometimes the media does a good job of portraying that. That you got to know about. But the noise and the negativity, you shouldn't waste your time on. Let's talk about crime. So 2014, 2015, 16, 17, 18, that, tr- that continued the, tr- the trend through the Giuliani administration, the Bloomberg administration of crime trending downwards. Then bail reform comes into play, mm-hmm. and then COVID comes into play. What does Mayor Bill de Blasio say? And today we're still talking about bail reform, bail reform. Right. I, and I know this is not specifically your area of expertise, but you lived with it for sure. a couple of years. Did, did you and, and your leaders in the NYPD, do you put a significant um, impact on bail reform in terms of crime then ri- rising up? Or other people say that, well, Mayor de Blasio uh, gave a more of a pers- uh, pervasive, like it's okay to commit crimes attitude in City Hall. I, I, this to me is just preposterous. I mean, again, we drove down crime for six years in a row. And the, the bail issue, I understand that for folks who say that law passed in 2019 was an imperfect law, I agree, and I've said that from day one. I wish the legislature had just done the part about nonviolent offenders and folks who are being held in on bail, couldn't afford bail, end up incarcerated for something nonviolent. That's crazy. That, should, that, that part of the bail reform was good reform. But the part of the reform that did not grant judges discretion was a mistake. Because in any kind of violent situation, you've got to give the judge the ability to say, based on you know, a whole host of factors, objective factors, you know, if someone is a potential danger. That was the crux of the disagreement that I had with the legislature. I know my police leadership had it. At that time, it was Jimmy O'Neill. We spent a lot of time in Albany trying to convince the leaders that they were overreaching and that they would regret it. Well, they did overreach. They did regret it. No. Well, no. Have they regretted it? They, they've had so many opportunities to cha- fix Look, it. they've changed the law twice back in the direction we were talking about in 2019. Is it the preeminent reason that the city experienced more violence? No. The preeminent reason is unquestionably the pandemic. We see this all over the country. Places that had no bail reform of any kind, crime skyrocketed during the pandemic. I kept saying, and I felt it, and I meant it, and it's still true, the court system was not fully functioning, even when it could, even when the pandemic started to get better. The prosecutors, uh, I don't think we're being aggressive enough with the judge, uh, with the, excuse me, with the, with the uh, gun cases. 
There's a lot of factors. It's easy, easy talking point to say bail reform. It's just not the basic story of what happened. But was that law written poorly? Yes, of course it was written poorly. It should have been written differently. So, and I know this is an issue that's near and dear to your heart because you've been speaking of it for years, decades. When I go into 120 Skimmerhorn Street, the criminal court building especially, and 100 Center Street, the, the lower courts, it's packed with young African-American men as the defendants. Okay, that's just the fact. You were there for eight years. Your, your tenure, I believe, overlapped, overlapped with President Obama. Mm-hmm. Why, haven't we done, why haven't we done a better job? You're not going to undo 400 years of history in a few years. Let's start with that. Uh, we have to keep making more progress. And I think the, things, the kind of things that are going to fundamentally change our society, I, we all agree on the power of education. Um, this is why my number one initiative was pre-K and then 3K for all, because if you reach people young and give them a quality education, uh, they are going to have much less chance of ending up involved in the criminal justice system. That is a proven fact. So if we, we want to get out of this horrible jam we're in, in terms of uh, a whole you know, generation of young people, unfortunately so often uh, turning in the wrong direction or influenced by the wrong things, educate. Educate early. And if you provide that kind of support, you'd be amazed how much impact but it can what have. about, uh, and I, listen, I couldn't, my mother was the, one of the first pre-K teachers in the city of New York, Amen. Department of Amen. 1980, I think it was. But what about the fact that there's no fathers? These kids well, are showing up in court with their grandmothers. Yeah. And, and their mothers who are there are like, you know, 29, and they, these kids are 15. Let's be careful because every family's different. And some of those scenarios we used to see are changing. Um, thankfully, I think you're, you're seeing a lot more young men take responsibility than used to be the case. And, and that's a really interesting reality, but I think it comes back to the same exact point. You know, there's young men of all backgrounds. They are our future. We, and I want to remind people that so much of society has not treated a lot of our young men like they are positive and are our future. This was my whole complaint with what was broken in the policy of stop and frisk. If you, if you single out a group of people, and I'd ask anyone, think about who, you know, think about the kids in your life, you know, your sons, nephews, grandsons, whoever it is. If that child was constantly subjected to a situation where they were treated like there was something wrong with them, that they start to think there's something wrong with them, right? If if they're treated like, you know, they're suspect, uh, it doesn't give them a lot of faith in what their future will be. So what we saw, and it's, I think it's been pretty well proven now, that uh, the overuse of stop and frisk uh, stigmatized. It created a situation where young people, like, we had young people being stopped on the way to school, on the way to the job, doing well, everything I hear right. you, but you can make the argument that uh, of Italian-Americans... There was that same situation that happened, right? They were targeted with search warrants and and subpoenas because they thought there was organized crime. And sometimes they hit it. The the law enforcement were right. They were organized crime guys, and they got them off the street. And sometimes to this day, you know, it still exists, the Business Integrity Commission. I mean, that is really to to keep Italian Americans off the docks and off the piers because of the history of organized crime. But... It worked. I mean, there's a hell of a lot less organized crime today than there was 25, 30 years ago. There was huge discrimination against Italian-Americans. And my family tells the stories. You know, my grandfather came here from just outside of Naples in 1905, right in the height. What was the name of the town? The town, Sant'Agata dei Gotti, in Benevento province. His name, Giovanni de Blasio. And, you know, he came here escaping the poverty of southern Italy. And, you know, couldn't have been a more, uh, a better example of the American dream. You know, he had an amazing life. His children went to college, you know, and his grandson's mayor in New York City, right? I mean, it's pretty amazing. And I know, I know that the people in that town are really proud of me. We got a minute left, Bill. Just when people tell me you're not really Italian and that yeah. your real last name wasn't de Blasio, can you give us 60 seconds just to clear the air on this? I mean, the, the, again, what kind of idiocy? 
I went to my grandfather's town and was so warmly greeted by people who knew the family, you know, that had my family had been there for centuries, <laughs> literally, in that town in Santa Agata. And then we went to my grandmother's town, Rosado and Basilicata. But your birth name was not de Blasio. My birth name was Wilhelm. And unfortunately, it was uh, came from a very broken family. And my father was an alcoholic and, you know, his, his life ended very sad, very painful. And my parents were divorced. And it was a very, very difficult time. But my mom's side of the family was the side that brought me up. And I, over time, thought I would honor that uh, with my last name. But the thing that I find so strange is, you know, your grandparents are your grandparents. The towns they come from, the towns they come from, you, you can't make that up. You can't Listen, make it I up. I was so proud on the night you got sworn in that you spoke of them, and then there was a screenshot of... They, a side shot of the the town. They were in the it was whatever three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, they and stayed up and watched the election results. When they, you know, it, it was such a big deal. It's a small town outside of Naples, and what was so important to them was my family never lost our connection to that town. And when I went back, I said, in both these towns, these are not fancy places. Right? No, I believe me. <laughs> I said, there's no way I would ever have the honor of being mayor of the, the greatest city in the world if it weren't for the values uh, and the opportunity these towns gave to my grandparents uh, because that came to me. Everything I have came from them. So, you know, I, I try to say by going there, it's not just, oh, what a beautiful town. Or, oh, you know, we, we love our Italian culture. No, I was trying to say something more important. I was trying to say there's no way any of us is able to do anything. You know, no way that we're able to uh, experience this American dream, which I still believe in fully. But for those incredible, hardworking people, those immigrants who took such extraordinary risks, went to the great unknown. I mean, let's honor them. So, to anyone who wants to be a hater, well, go be a hater. But I'm going to say, Giovanni De Blasio and Anna Braganti, my grandparents. I honor them every day. And what I'm going to say is when everyone told me you were going to get rid of Columbus Circle and the Columbus Statue, I was like, nah, I don't think de Blasio is going to get rid of Columbus Circle, Columbus Statue. I, I, I knew him well enough. We're going to take a quick break. we got eight minutes left um, with Mayor Bill de Blasio. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Driving ambition for 40 years in the United States, Mitsubishi Motors sees the automotive industry differently. Mitsubishi challenges convention with innovative approaches in the way Mitsubishi engineers and builds their vehicles. Just look at the all-new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander, now in stock in all trim levels and all with the flexibility of third-row seating. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today. FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732 863 Hi, this is Judge Kamins, a partner at Idala Bertuna and Kamins, and where Arthur Idala of the Arthur Idala Power Hour works at his 24-7 day job. In 2014, I retired from the bench to join ABK, which is a full-service preeminent boutique firm that has been helping New Yorkers when legal problems arise. ABK is uniquely qualified to assist New Yorkers who have a wide range of legal problems, from personal injury claims and civil litigation to criminal defense and trusts and estates. I personally work on appellate matters, attorney disciplinary matters, and complex legal issues with a dedicated group of attorneys who provide a team approach to each case. There is no legal problem too big or small for this talented and hardworking legal team. So when you think of the Idala Power Hour, also keep in mind ABK, the power legal firm. Ask Sherwin-Williams during the Endless Summer Sale, August 26th through September 5th, and get 30% off paints and stains with prices starting at $29.39. That means 30% off our most popular color family, blue. Psychologists have found it to be soothing and relaxing, which makes it especially great for bedrooms and bathrooms. And, of course, 30% off all of our other colors. Shop the sale online or visit your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams store. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. Hi, Kevin McCullough. If you're feeling run down and don't have the energy that you used to, it's very likely you're not pumping your system with the right nutrition. You're not getting enough fruits. You're not getting enough veggies. Remember, the best defense against any virus is your own immune system. Balance of nature is not like ordinary vitamins that are made with synthetics. 
They are just natural food in a vegetarian capsule, and they have tens of thousands of vital nutrients from 100% whole food plants, fruits, and veggies. If you forget to take your dose one day, double up the next day. It's as simple as that, and you can't overdose on fruits and veggies. The Daily Dose of Balance of Nature capsules, by the way, has 10 servings of 31 different fruits and vegetables. Balance of Nature is offering right now free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order of fruits and veggies. So start your journey to a stronger immune system and overall better health today by calling 800-2468-751. That's 800-2468-751 or by going to balanceofnature.com and use discount code THEANSWER. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer. Sitting here with a Boston Red Sox fan. Ugh. Guy used to have a Boston Red Sox Christmas tree at, at, at Tracy Mansion. But you also had a Mets Christmas tree, right? Hey, the Mets and the Red Sox, if you're okay. a fan, we, we have an alliance. Red Sox yeah, fans, an alliance. Mets yeah, fans. We, we beat you. That's An all alliance against the evil empire. Well, all I know is we beat you. Um, Al, Al uh, from New Jersey asked me to ask you, will you be on time to your classes at Harvard Law School? Yes. At Harvard, uh, you yes, will be I'm on time. I'm a changed man. I- uh, I'm reformed. Um, And Peter from Brooklyn said, you know, there are some people out there that say compared to uh, the Giuliani and Bloomberg regime, (laughs) regimes, 20 years, that you paled in comparison in your leadership of the city of New York. What is Bill de Blasio? So I don't have to come to your defense. What is your answer to? And Peter's a good guy. I know who he is. He's a, a, a business owner here in the city of New York, raised his family, a true blue Brooklynite. But he said, compared to Giuliani and Bloomberg, you, 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 you fell off in terms of leadership. What do you uh, say I, to Peter? I say to him, before the pandemic, we drove down crime six years in a row. We added two years of, to our public schools with pre-K, 3K. We, uh, you know, then we, had, we added half a million jobs, by the way, before the pandemic. And then I got hit with the biggest crisis in New York City history, and we went from the epicenter to the most vaccinated place in the country. And even though we got challenges, the city is coming back strong. So I, I'm not here to compare with other mayors. I'm here just to say I, I feel like I did everything I knew how to do. You and to you serve and Donald Trump had one thing in common. But seriously, yeah. you both were wanted to open schools That's faster right. than Fauci and I think Cuomo did. Yeah, you stand by that decision. Yes, and I, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't freak me out to say there were things I agreed with him on. That's fine. <laughs> Quickly, you know? do you think do you think that Cuomo got a bad rap regarding the nursing, the way he handled the nursing home thing, or was did he get his? Uh... No, it was horrible what what happened, and a lot of people suffered, and then there was a cover up. Okay, I think and it has even barely been fully looked into. Well, but I think he kind of got his comeuppance. I mean, I don't... Uh, yeah, I'm saying I don't, I don't, I still don't think we have the full truth. And I think the full truth is worse. Let's talk about. Um, so uh, another one of our regular listeners, Jimmy, said, "What was it like in 2014 when you went to the funeral of Ramos and Lou?" And I think it was uh, uh, thousands of police officers turned no, their it back. wasn't. It, first of all, it wasn't thousands. Okay. It was actually well, a small number, but. It's very painful. I mean, it's if, but it's also absolutely. What had you me, done to deserve that? It was I, very I, early in your tenure. It made no sense to me uh, because I thought we were actually doing a lot of good things, all of us together, to make the city safer. But um, the most important thing I felt, the most painful thing I felt, was who does that at a funeral? If you have, a, if you have a difference, you know, there's plenty of ways to protest, but don't do that at a funeral. Don't do that when a family's. Grieving. What was your relationship like with Bill Bratton? Fantastic. Uh, he's, I think so he's, how does uh, he handle that? Those are his guys who are turning their back on yeah, you. Yeah, but they're, they're, it's a unionized workforce. You know, as Talk about permissive. There's a very permissive attitude towards what uh, unionized uh, people in uniform are allowed to do. It's not the military. You know, A lot of members of my family served in the military. Very a much higher standard of what you're allowed to do or not do. No one should have done that. It's undignified. And it also was a distraction from the grieving family. That's that, the point. That was the That's point what that we all me. should have been focused on. Um, thrive. So we're talking about crime. Yeah. I spoke to the district attorney of Brooklyn, Eric Gonzalez. He said his guesstimate is 50% of people who are in the system have some sort of mental issue. Yes. So Thrive was the your effort to address that. It was to address much more than that. It was to address the fact that 20%, this is the national figure, 20% of all Americans, 20% of all New Yorkers, uh, at one point or another, are having a mental health challenge of all kinds. And that to fight that, you needed a mental health strategy, and you needed to make mental health services available very broadly. 
And I understand some people just want to focus on the most horrible situations, and I wanted to also try to address those situations. But it was much bigger than that. It was trying to address the fact that now, finally, we're starting to talk about mental health in this country because of the pandemic. 20% of people afflicted, and there was almost nothing available. But many them. people say that that money was a billion dollars. or It was a lot of money. Yeah. was squandered. It did, was not effective. Yeah. That so, People say your wife took the money because she was heavily first involved, all, took the money, all kinds of it's so all address that. It's total bullshit. You, you oh, thought he just hit the dope button. That's good. Be, Mayor de Blasio, here in the Idola Power Hour. Uh, he got it. No, it, it, for, this is a city, thank God, where every dollar you spend, is uh, scrutinized. City controller, state controller, city council, state legislature. Yeah, all these different places, independent budget. Every dollar was spent on mental health. Do you, do you think with mental health that you spend a, a certain amount of money and someone's cured and it's all fixed and it's done no, forever? No, no I know mental that. Mental health is a lifelong reality. So we were spending money to get people treatment who had never gotten any treatment. Families connected to mental health care never had anything that gave them an opportunity for mental health care. We were training more professionals so there'd be more people to provide the treatment. We were doing things like mental health first aid, which teaches people, teaches family members, loved ones, how to deal with the crisis when they confront it. And people who have been involved say, thank you, someone was finally there for us. Every dollar was spent on mental health. And here's what I say to all these jerks. You got some evidence you want to show me or go to any prosecutor you got. You, want, you got evidence that something was done wrong? Bring it out. Come on, bring it on. Not a single one of them. They're cowards. Stop bleeping around. And <laughs> I did it for you. Thank you. And just if you got a serious thing to say, if you know what the hell you're talking about, God bless you. Otherwise, stop being an idiot. Stop okay. listening to any rumor you hear. The money was, you think, you think a billion dollars gets spent that's not on mental health and no one noticed and nothing happens about it. That's bull. Do you think that a lawyer who represented Donald Trump on the floor of Congress should be canceled because he represented Donald Trump, the president of the United the, States? I happen to be in that tradition that says lawyers are supposed to be available to defend someone, whether that person's popular or not, whether you agree with them or not. That's democracy. That's what the founders envisioned. Yeah, I'm not a big cancel guy. Okay. You can and, disagree with them, but you don't need to cancel them. So we have a minute and a half left, and this is a very important question. Um, God forbid, you're, it's the death penalty. And Bill de Blasio, you're, you're going to die. You get to declare your last meal and your last drink and the last music you're going to hear. Pick your meal, pick your drink, pick your music. Uh, no question is eggplant parmigiana. First of all, I, I'm opposed to the death penalty. So I'm as, sorry as, you're applying to a, me. As am I. But go eggplant ahead. parmigiana, which does, no one has ever made as good as my mother. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with that and go with uh, the beautiful Alianico wine from my grandfather's part of Italy. And then uh, what's the last music? Who, yeah, who do you want to listen to? Oh, man. I, I got to say, Bruce is way up on the list. You know what I love? New York City Serenade. All right. Well, that would be we a go. nice way to go out. Ladies and gentlemen. That would be a nice way. One from early Bruce Springsteen, if you truly know your Bruce. Mayor Bill de Blasio, he found the time. Uh, he's heading to, are you going to go move to Boston? No, I'm going to live in Brooklyn. We're back in our house in Brooklyn. I'll go up for several days each week. Well, thank you for being here. Regards to your bride. Regards to your children. Thank you for your work that Grazie you did. Grazie mille. Grazie mille for the work you did in the city of New York. And uh, go up to Harvard and... and Tell the kids some of the life lessons you've learned. I got lessons, pal. All right. Thank you. The preceding program sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi.